And today, we're going to do something different. So uh, taking a break from uh, our regular study in Matthew, and we're going to do a missions update. Uh, been a lot of questions about Lebanon and how it went and everything, and so uh, we thought this would be a great Sunday to do that. So uh, Kelly and Bob and Alex is here, and he's going to share too. We're missing a couple people, so my buddy Daniel is on the mainland. Of course, he couldn't make it, and Dr. Sharon, she's in North Africa right now, I think. Kenya right now, and so uh, continue to be praying for her. She's uh, doing great stuff there. So let's pray, and then we're going to get in. You guys get to hear some of what the Lord did. God, again, we thank you uh, just for this church, for this uh, body of believers, and for this family. We pray that you have your way in this place today. Speak to us, challenge us, and uh, draw us nearer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So first of all, it's Kelly. Come on up, Kelly. Hello, I'm Kelly. You might recognize me playing the piano and doing worship. Um, so I went on a trip to Lebanon in my late March, and it was a very good learning experience for me as a senior, my final year of high school, I'll be going to college this fall, <laughs> which both nerve-wracking and exciting. Um, but I decided to go to Lebanon uh, mainly to see what God had in store for me. Um, so let's start in January when Auntie Sharon, or Dr. Sharon, uh, first came um, to this church, and I met her for the first time in January of this year. And she spoke at this church, and I was listening to her speak, and I was like, wow, she has a bunch of cool stories from going all over the world doing missions trips. Maybe I can do that one day, do something uh, exciting like that, or take some of the lessons that she's learned in the future. And then in February, the opportunity came up to go to Lebanon. <laughs> um, and I wasn't really planning to go because I had school and it didn't really seem like something that I'd be good at or something that I'd have anything to contribute to. Uh, fortunately, God had other plans. So, but eventually I, I changed my mind about going because it felt like such a God opportunity. It wasn't anything that I had expected or planned, but the opportunity was opened and everything fell into place so perfectly from, uh, making plans and expenses and it just worked out so that I felt like I had to go. Um, so we went, we left on March 20th and all I had was uh, the boxes of donations that you all 
uh, gave to us to take and some soccer balls because I had some vague plan of maybe doing some soccer there and my camera because uh, I had a vague plan to make a promotional video for a secondary evangelical school which is the principal of that school is connected to the foundation we are working with uh, together for the family. So I didn't really have a plan. I knew that this is where God wanted me to go to, but I didn't know what I was doing exactly. And so I went hoping that he would <laughs> make things a bit clearer to me once I got there. And fortunately, he did, and, uh, well, he didn't, kind of. <laughs> so we got there, and I never really felt like I was being uh, super useful while I was there. I did learn a lot, and I met a lot of people that I'm very glad I met. I met Ishtihar, the founder of Together for the Family, and I learned about the work she's doing with the Syrian refugees in Lebanon, which is something incredible um, because the Syrian refugees uh, have been living in Lebanon for up to 10 years because that's how long the Syrian uh, civil war has been going on. And a lot of them, especially in the Becca Valley, which is where we were, live in uh, tents made of tarps and cement blocks. And they hold down the roofs with tires and rope because the government won't let them set up more permanent infrastructure because they don't really, they can't afford to keep them there anymore. And so Together for the Family has been uh, building or providing opportunities for those people who are stuck there and uh, showing them God's love and just giving them a place to uh, laugh and smile and uh, do something beyond uh, what they could have done on their own and learn new skills that they can then take and use in the future and towards a better future, which is something that I'd never really seen before. I never seen uh, some of the poverty that they've been going through and I've never seen some of the light that could come out of that and showing God's love uh, through that. And that was incredible to see. And while we were there, there was a Mother's Day event. And so all the ladies, all the Syrian ladies who are part of this uh, group or organization were all gathered in the main building. And it was incredible to see first how put together they were for all their situation and uh, everything that they're going through, they're still uh, dressing nicely and they still have uh, nice clothes and some of them are wearing high heels and it was 
little bit jarring for me to see. <laughs> but seeing that dignity in the face of extreme situations uh, was something I didn't expect to see there. Um, and so part of the program on Mother's Day was offering advice to the Ukrainian refugees, especially the women and the mothers who are escaping. And I, another uh, dignity in the face of everything that's happening and that they would uh, extend that wisdom and their love to these people that they've never met who uh, just because they're going through the same thing that they would uh, extend their hearts to them and they gave uh, a list of things of advice and the first one on that list was uh, trust in God that he will bring you through it and after all they've been through, I thought that was something incredible to see that they still had that faith in their God. <laughs> and there was a uh, painting contest uh, as part of the program. And uh, the uh, challenge was to paint something related to Ukrainian refugees and Syrian refugees or uh, something connecting mothers and their children. Um, and so in the end, it there was six uh, finalists and each of them got a $20 prize, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that $20 can buy so much in Lebanon right now uh, with the inflation and with the lack of stability in their own currency that $20 can uh, really affect their lives. And I heard that after they got their $20, uh, some of them wanted to give some of that back to put in the pot to give to the Ukrainian refugees. And that was something I never even thought of. I was thinking, oh, they'll use it. This is good. This is great. But they were already thinking so much uh, more. And so these were the people that I were able to meet and learn more about and it really changed uh, my perspective on some things. And so, uh, Alex and Dad will probably share more about what our project was that I wasn't really a part of because I don't know anything about solar panels. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, we went as a group to uh, put up solar panels for the new family oasis center that they had opened so they could get more stable electricity uh, because there's black planned blackouts 
uh, all throughout the day. So uh, they need uh, power and uh, solar panels will be able to f uh, fix a lot of that. And so there were, so that was their plan. And uh, two of the other ladies that we were uh, on our group, Lorelai and Sadia, uh, were friends with uh, Angie Sharon. They had a plan to, um, they had a plan to put together a pattern for period underwear, uh, washable period underwear, because that's something that's hard to get, <laughs> especially when it's so expensive. So they both had their uh, missions with the guys and the solar panels and the ladies and the underwear. And I was just kind of uh, stuck in the middle because I can't really uh, help with solar panels and I don't know enough about sewing to be helpful with the underwear. And so I wasn't really sure what I was doing there still. I was learning a lot, but I wasn't I didn't feel like I was contributing anything. Um, and so one day when we were having breakfast, we were staying at Ishtihar's house and she brought up randomly this idea of me writing an article for their newsletter, which is like a quarterly newsletter for Together for the Family. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I can do that. I can write things. <laughs> um, and then she said, if that goes well, and I like your writing, I actually have a larger project uh, that I want to do. Um, because over the years of her doing ministry, of doing Together for the Family, of working with uh, all these refugees, uh, she has collected the stories of especially traumatized teenagers as, as she's worked with them. Um, and she's been wanting to put together these stories and write them in English in an emotionally impactful way and get their stories out there. But because English is her second language, uh, she felt that uh, it wouldn't, her writing wouldn't be strong enough. And if, I, if she liked my article, that she would let me write those stories. And it was something I never expected. And it just made me think that God's plan is so much more than what we would have ever expected. Uh, because I didn't know what I was doing there, but this felt like something uh, concrete, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and so I wrote my article. I actually sent it in. And she said, all right, we're good to go. So out of this trip where I didn't feel like I was doing anything or much of anything, um, 
God gave it a purpose and something that I can do to give back to the people who I uh, learned so much from and uh, they hosted us and uh, poured out so much time and uh, effort and love and money and I feel like this is something small that God gave me so I could uh, give back to them and I also love the fact that uh, God uh, continued the trip even after it was over, even after I came back. He still has us involved in, or still, yeah, still has us involved in the ministry in Lebanon. And even with the other people in our group, with Alex and Daniel and Lorelai and Sadia and Auntie Sharon, and I had only met Alex and Daniel and Sadia and Lorelai in Lebanon. That's the first time I met them. I only met Auntie Sharon in January. And this amazing group of people were pulled together. Um, and I know those uh, connections will last so much longer. And I just am constantly amazed by how God works through everything. And I think through this trip, I was really able to see uh, God's power moving when he wants to get things done. <laughs> that there's uh, nothing that can uh, stop him and that his plans go so far beyond anything we could ever imagine. And that's something I really uh, needed, I think. Especially as I'm <laughs> going off into the world. <laughs> and I think that's, that's it. <laughs> Not that I'm the proud father or anything, just that um, that's part of my story here. So, <laughs> um, thank. I just wanted to start with thank you. Thank you for everything that you guys did in helping us to prepare to go to Lebanon. Um, we received about 140 pounds, 150 pounds of clothes, shoes, material, other things to take with us. And um, when we got there, our luggage got lost, but eventually it made it to um, the location, and we were able to, um, you know, hand those out. And it's amazing to see, you know, what an impact that would have. Um, when we got there, it was really cold; uh, it was snowing, and um, uh, just to see the needs that the people have, um, and knowing that what you gave would be helpful to them, and then to see the sewing center, the education center they have, and how your material will be used to give um, ladies the opportunity to um, develop skills and to sell stuff that will be used for providing income and, and things for their family and their needs. So thank you very much. Um, as well as for the financial donations um, and how that was used as well. Um, 
just to share a little story. Um, so when I got there, um, I went in and I helped set up the computer lab in the classroom because they had just moved over from another location. And so cleaned up the lab and started organizing. And we wanted to upgrade the computers, the software on the computers. But um, I didn't even have enough power to keep the computer running long enough to, um, uh, to do an upgrade. So um, towards the end of the trip, after Alex had got his solar panels all connected up, um, I was able to keep a computer running long enough to finish the upgrade. So um, again, just the impact uh, of what we provided, of what you guys provided was uh, already being felt by the people there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Lebanon is an amazing country. Um, and uh, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to prepare pictures. But what we got to see um, and the history of Lebanon is amazing. So um, there are a few places in the world that have been inhabited by people um, from prehistory. And Lebanon is one of them. And um, one of the areas we went to visit had been excavated. And you could see the history from 6,000 years ago when the Phoenicians laid the foundation for that. And then the Romans came in and built their Colosseums and their things. And then on top of that, the Crusaders came in and built castles. And on top of that, the Arabs came and built on top of the castles. And just layers and layers of history there. And people have been living there. And if you look at the way the country's laid out, um, so they have the ocean um, or the, the sea. <laughs> um, and then they have what you see here, this picture. Um, and then they have mountains behind them. And then there's a valley, the Becca Valley, and then another set of mountains. And so like the perfect place to set up camp because you're protected from one side. You've got ocean on the other. You've got fresh water, um, mountains, just beautiful. And then the Becca Valley is very fertile. So that's where they grow stuff. So amazing country um, and amazing people. Um, the Sharon said the um, hospitality of the Middle East rivals that of Hawaii. And it's true. They are very hospitable people. Um, it was the neat to see how the, the meal, the family meal was so important. So we would gather and you would sit and talk story. You would eat and then you would talk eat some more and talk some more and it was just a, a really good feeling to be there and getting to know people. Um, Alex uh, got to know the uh, electrical sales person. Uh, he would go to the store to get parts and the uh, clerk or the owner of the store would invite Alex in and give him tea and pastries and it was he would have to go to that store very often so I <laughs> I don't know if he was getting parts or if he just wanted to hang out with the, the sales guy. But um, yeah, just an amazing place, an amazing people. And as Kelly shared, um, the I, I don't know if, how to describe it, but the, the quality or the character of the people that we met, um, people like Ishtihar, who um, was born in Syria, raised um, uh, as a pastor's daughter, they had seven kids in the family and a very poor family um, and you know 
she just wanted to serve God. God raised her up, took her out, and now she has this ministry to the Syrian people in Lebanon and how God had arranged all of that and put her in the right place at the right time. And her heart is to love on people and to share with them. Um, and if they come to know the love of Jesus through that, that's, that's her heart. So she's just an amazing person. Um, by chance, we met another lady, uh, Melissa, um, who um, is uh, working with uh, Ishtihar and together with the family. And she um, lived in the Middle East with her husband and kids. Um, and um, while she was there, she started her own organization, bringing resources to um, uh, NGOs. She was passing through to visit with Ishtihar, and then she goes, oh, yeah, and now I'm on my way to Ukraine. And we're like, what? Why are you going to Ukraine? She goes, well, they asked us to have set up field hospitals in Ukraine. So I'm going to go over there and start preparing for that. And just amazing people with amazing talents and abilities that God is using uh, to bring his love to the people of the world. Um, and I thought about uh, or people ask me, what did I get out of the trip to um, Lebanon? And well, what hit me? And um, after listening to Jack last week talk about the parables, I thought I would put it together in a parable form. Um, so um, to help me share my experience and what God spoke to me about. Um, so um, it took me a little time to come up with the name for this parable and the storyline, um, but I finally settled on the parable of the loving mother. So when I first started thinking about it, I thought, well, it could be the parable of the wonderful father, but I thought, okay, that's a little conceited, and um, as you'll hear in the story, it could have just been the ignorant father, um, but God works in mysterious ways. So this is my parable. So there was a mother there is a mother of two daughters and this loving mother invested her time and energy to make sure her daughters were well, well protected provided for and educated and she wanted to make sure that her daughters could live their full uh, to their fullest and prepared them to do so and she dedicated her time for a proper education making sure they had activities and even coached soccer to make sure that they had opportunities. Um, and then when her daughters had grown up and decided to, or, or were ready to step out on their own, uh, the father said he wanted to go on a long trip. And so um, said he would take one of his daughters with him. What could go wrong? So um, <coughs> the loving mother only asked one thing please bring my daughter back safely. <laughs> so while away on this far, to this far away country, um, their first thing happened was they missed their connecting flight. And they ended up having to fly into a whole nother country, <laughs> a whole nother continent to get into Lebanon, missing the people that they were supposed to connect with, and then having to take a taxi cab ride to the hotel, which uh, we won't share that story. Um, 
and oh, while we uh, one <laughs> sorry, uh, when we did miss the flight, this led to a text to said mother saying, "Please pray because we missed our flight." So she prayed, and we finally got there. Um, So, uh, the trip was very good and prosperous, and um, his daughter was able to meet some incredible people and experience some amazing things. While father was busy working on the trip, daughter went out with some friends to take some pictures and s look around the campgrounds, and unfortunately, they ran into the police, and um, if you prepare for any trip uh, to some of these countries, they say, be very careful where you go and take pictures because they might think you're a spy there um, and taking pictures of um, their uh, buildings and people. So um, the police come up to them and asking them questions and start interrogating them about what they're doing and um, they release them they came back to the base, more police came and asking them more questions. And um, this led to more texts to the loving mother, letting them know that <laughs> daughter is now being interrogated by the police. Um, and um, in the stress and concern for uh, his daughter, uh, he forgot to follow up with uh, mother and let her know what was going on. Uh, which um, later on the mother described as going dark because, you know, we're a spy full of families, so, or a family full of spies. So, um, so um, and so this is where the parable could have turned to the parable of the very angry mother <laughs> or the parable of the father who had to live in a foreign country for a long time <laughs> or worse yet, the parable of the dead father. But God's grace and mercy worked everything out. And um, I was able to bring Kelly home safely, <laughs> or her daughter home safely. <laughs> um, and when I got home and I thought through um, what it meant to me or what I learned was um, we have a heavenly father who has um, given us this world amazing place to live and has loved on everyone in this world and his people and um, when we get to heaven um, will the father ask me did you bring my children home safely did you invest in um, making sure that the people that I have want to bring home that you've invested in that's what I got out of the trip. And yeah, so may this continue to um, bear fruit and uh, be used by God in our lives. Hi, everybody. My name is Alex. Um, about seven years ago, almost to the date, I had the opportunity to work with uh, Pastor Jack on uh, very interesting uh, solar, off-grid solar project here in Kona for a wonderful gentleman. Um, 
And uh, that was a wonderful experience because it, that's the first time they actually worked with, uh, with Jack for an extended period of time. And uh, we figured out that we work very well together. Um, it was uh, one of those things where there's an experience of a flow when you do one thing and uh, the, the Jack would do the other thing that would actually blend in just perfectly. And uh, to this day, it's, uh, it's, it's my absolutely best project that was ever involved. So about 10 weeks or so, when Jack called me and asked me about this opportunity, if I would be willing to join the small group that would go to Lebanon and to put a PV system together. Um, in my mind, I didn't tell him that right away, but in my mind I was thinking, well, let me see how I can make that work because at that time I was involved in a project, I had a commitment. And so it worked. Um, we all know how it, uh, it, it works when, uh, when the things are right, when things are lined up. Uh, the time slot, time slot opened up where I was able to go. So I called Jack and I said, yes, I'm in, count me in. So um, the next, what, what followed next, uh, I was thinking, well, okay, this is the easy part. Now I have to deal with, with the actual project and you see, I have a little mental condition that's called perfectionism. And <laughs> some of you can relate to it and the rest of you can please pray for us. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to have everything lined up. I, have a, I would like to have everything organized to, to know how things are gonna work out and for things to be done perfectly and in the right way. Well, uh, given the fact that uh, while I work here, I have access to all the tools and supplies and everything. So that's basically my reference. Going to a place like Lebanon, we didn't know what to expect, where we can get the parts, material, uh, and how would it all work out. And we are all driven in North America. We wanted to get things done. And uh, <coughs> we don't want to leave any anything undone. So uh, that was part of the anxiety for a while because you know we couldn't bring anything with us everything will have to be locally sourced but over time um, just before the trip I just let go and let God I said well God it's up to you it I'll leave it with you whatever happened uh, we'll do our best and so um, we made it well to the uh, to Lebanon connected to the people on the ground that we were supposed to work with as uh, Bob and, and Kelly um, uh, described to, to some degree. And um <coughs> so we went to the site. The site is basically a compound. It's the, uh, it's the family center, it's a family oasis. And it's really truly it's oasis in a, in a country that is really in, uh, in a shambles right now and it has been the last number of years. It used to be a very prosperous country many years ago but now it's in a really, really bad shape. And this compound is a place where people can come, especially kids, refugees, and even local kids. They can come and be themselves. They can learn about different skills. Um, they, can, uh, they can just interact with each other. And, and it was just this wonderful place to, to have uh, in, in the midst of all this uh, uh, the situation in Lebanon. So it's basically really oasis. Uh, uh, like a lighthouse. And uh, so we were connected to the people that we're supposed to work with, which are people that actually work at the, at the races, uh, but also even some students will be willing to, to pitch in to help. Um, 
we figure out the ways um, how to get the tools, where to get su the supplies. As Bob mentioned, there there's the electrical supplier, the place there is nothing like Home, Home Depot or Lowe's. Uh, it's the, the place about a half the size of this building, but loaded it with the equipment and all the parts. So we were able to source pretty much everything that we needed to start building the solar system. The reason for solar system is that that compound is in the middle of the field uh, at the end of the, the utility line with very unreliable uh, utility. I mean, worse than, than Helco. <laughs> just, ki just kidding. <laughs> um, <coughs> so it's either they have rolling blackouts, as Kelly said, or, or when they do have a power, it's very unreliable, so it was killing some of their equipment. Um, so that's why they really wanted to have a stable power. Um, they have lots of sun, so PV is just a natural thing to do. Uh, and uh, that's basically what, what was really part of that project to, to actually put the energy system together. Um, <coughs> so everything started coming together. And uh, so I was thinking like, wow, that's God. You really, you really know, you know, I, I trusted you and you provided basically everything that we needed. Well, it's almost, I did not even finish the sentence when we figure out that the one of the main components that of the of the power system, the batteries, will not uh, we know we will not receive it before we can even leave. So we could not really complete the pr uh, the the energy system. They could use it only to some degree, but not to full extent. I was very disappointed. Uh, I was very disappointed, um, and um, <coughs> um, I guess we all we were all disappointed because. We were there to do the project. But then on the very last night before some of us uh, were about to leave, we had a dinner in the host house. And uh, Daniel, <coughs> he made a very good point about uh, the perspective. Uh, he, he put things in the, in the proper perspective, and that is that, yes, we do have our own plans. We came to accomplish certain things. But God has a different plan, far, far more reaching, and uh, with, and He sees the much bigger picture. It was ours to make the connections with people, to be there to help as much as we could, and to to serve people, and to leave it as that. And uh, whatever happens after that, we have no control over. Um, it's basically ours to sow the seeds, and God does does the the, the growing. And <coughs> and then I was thinking, okay, well, the, the more I thought about it, I started thinking, well, let's let's turn the tables and think from the perspective of the people that are on the ground, the, those kids and staff members. They're in basically in those predicaments, in that, that kind of life, which is much different than ours. You know, how would they react if they see a group of people that come from, you know, the other part of the world uh, to help? To whatever degree, uh, them um, with no thoughts of return. There was basically nothing for us to gain, other than just be there and serve. So, by thinking from that perspective, we understood. Um, at least I was. I understood the uh, the why there was such a great reaction, and uh, uh, the the people had. Um, 
uh, or with, with us, you know, how, they, how well they interacted with us, with their big smiles on their faces at all times, how well they served us. Um, and, and finally, at the end, at the time when we were about to leave, uh, there was lots of hugs and, and tears even. So that basically spoke to the, uh, the, uh, the impact about, they spoke about the impact that we, that we made. To whatever degree, it was different from our plans, but it, uh, we did our part. Um, so that's, that's what I got out of it, really, is the, the change of perspective, because God has a much greater plan. Uh, we see only the frames, the pieces the, uh, of our lives, which is basically uh, this we're in and we're gone before, before we know it. Um, it's, it's just the frames, it's frame of the big long movie that only God knows, God is director. He knows the beginning, he knows the end, we understand the end, but uh, we don't know the things in between, the things that our frames are the most important, but they're not, they're just part of it. But without those frames, there's no movie. <laughs> so um, I understood that part and uh, gained that perspective and also learned a lot about that part of the world and uh, <coughs> it's a blessing really to go and experience, to, to, to meet people in different parts of the world and to see how other people live. Um, that nothing is ever so nice as you know, the life that we're used to. Uh, that is basically a reality for every one of us here. Um, and uh, there's lots of people struggling really, really bad in, in the world. And if you have a chance, if you have opportunity, it's 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 also as our responsibility to share that 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 blessing a little bit to the extent that we can that we can um, so I will um, leave it at except that we have a few slides um, yeah um, David if you can just run them off and I'll kind of explain what things are so so this is the compound the uh, the, the red uh, container uh, it's a shipping container that uh, Daniel, Jack, and the local crew, they started uh, converting into a classroom. Um, so that's nothing that never really completed, but it started, and we worked very well with, uh, with the local people. If we can run the next one. There's our plaster. <laughs> um, Helping out with uh, string some some wires um, for the for the power system. So the next one. Here's the Daniel. Daniel is just taking a um, uh, relaxing in. Uh, I don't know if that is the barber chair or dentist chair, but in the middle of a flooded area of the compound. Oh, that's scary. Um, this these are the local uh, company uh, crew that actually put the uh, the, the PVs uh, on the roof. Um, and they they completed the whole thing in a, in a day. They were really efficient. Uh, it was a different company, so we just interacted with them uh, as part of the system. So this is the the power system. So when we arrived, basically the picture on the left that is the outhouse. That's what supposed to be turned into a powerhouse, which we did. This is basically how we left it. Um, and uh, but then again, the uh, the bench there is where uh, the batteries should have been. Uh, okay, here's um, 
our pastor, and uh, the guy named Barry, that's English version, Barry, very eager um, uh, helper uh, electrician, I guess, local electrician, and uh, so he was helping uh, quite a bit. This is wiring in Lebanon <laughs> for, you, for you guys. <laughs> that's, that's not our job, but that was basically standard that we were trying to, uh, to, uh, to uh, comply with and unsuccessfully. But that's basically in the middle of a town. That's basically how to do electricity communication. Uh, not typical, but this is a great example. Um, this is a crew, a construction crew. Um, a few of us and then rest of the rest of the people are uh, local people that actually work on the compound. And uh, this is the last slide. So these, this, this is the staff of the, uh, of the compound um, of the uh, family oasis. They take care of the, the whole operation. Um, so that's about it. And I will leave you with the only word in Arabic that I learned and still remember, and that's uh, shukran. And that means thank you. So mahalo. <laughs>Everyone kind of touched on a lot of the same things that I had uh, in mind, so I'm just going to wrap up and, uh, with a uh, couple things that I, I think we need to keep in mind. You know, it comes up sometimes, well, you know, we know that missions are important, but why, when it comes right down to it, why do we do them? Why does this church see missions as a priority? Um, and in Acts chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 4, it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And therefore, when they had gathered, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, excuse me, witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, you know, the Lord has, has called us to spread the gospel. And um, I think a lot of times when we think of missions, we hear the go part of that that go here and do this and go and be a part of it. But the first thing Jesus tells them is wait. Wait until you are led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. And, and so for Lebanon, and I think it needs to be this, not just with missions, but with any major trip, instead of getting hyped up and excited and let's go, that we need to take, even sometimes it's, it's minutes, it's to just pause and it's to wait and go, Lord, what do you want? And, and so a big part of this trip for me was to uh, see the Lord come through. There was uh, actually four guys I had in mind as far as the construction crew that we were to put together, and it was a very short amount of time, six weeks, from the time that Bob first mentioned, hey, maybe we should go to Lebanon. I was like, no. <laughs> well, let's think about it. Let's pray about it. And, and, uh, and so I'm like, Lord, if you, if you want to put this together, then uh, there's a couple, four, like I said, four guys that I'm thinking of, but two guys are required. And Alex was one, and Daniel was the other. 
Uh, David, can you bring up the picture? There's uh, Alex and Daniel and I somewhere. There we go. And, and so my buddy Daniel, uh, he and his wife Leanna played a huge role in leading Candy and I to the Lord years ago. We've known them way back. Uh, and he has had a rough, rough decade. And so talking uh, to the Lord about that, like, I want to see Daniel there, and I want to see Alex there. I sent a quick text. <laughs> it's so funny, because, you know, Alex said, well, I called him, but the first thing I did was text and just said, you guys want to go to Lebanon? And, and I'm thinking, they're busy, they're not going to be able to make it, and that's going to be, I'll know that, okay, maybe we'll do this later. And minutes, both Daniel and Alex wrote back, sure. <laughs> and so I went, Cool. You know, guys are really wordy. And, but for me, that was the sign. It's like, okay, it's on. This is happening. And, and, uh, and like Alex said, the Lord just put it all together, and we saw so many great things. Um, I'm not going to go back and touch on all of those again, um, but it did stand, stand out to me what the Lord says there in Acts, is that first of all, we are to wait upon him, see him open those doors, and that we know our purpose in going, right? And again, it's been mentioned by everybody. We went there with projects in mind, but the Lord isn't that interested in our projects. I think a lot of times projects are our excuse. Oh, well, we can go and we can build this or we can do this. Or, and that's our excuse to go. But once we go, um, the Lord has one purpose for us, that we would be his witness. That's the job. Now, we can do that. I think it's a very good way to do that to provide practical needs. To, to make sure that they are fed, to make sure that the things that they need, to give a, a glass or a cup of water in his name, right? Those are the practical things. That's what we talked about last week when looking in Matthew 25. It's the practical things that are important. But that we do it in his name is the foundation of why we do it, right? Not just doing the practical, but in his name. He doesn't care about projects. He doesn't care about politics. He cares about people. And, and again, I'm really just going to be really quick. This was very clear to me, and it's interesting, because if you know, this is something that's come up a lot within the last couple of years with COVID and all the political nonsense and social media nonsense and everything, of coming back as believers going, no, that's not what we're about. We're going to be about the gospel, right? And so, again, this was made clear while we were there. So we got two opportunities. Go back one slide, Dave to go to these two archaeological sites. This is Baalbek, and uh, it was a crossroads of two major highways back in the ancient world. And uh, the Phoenicians first built a temple there, and uh, it is the area where the worship of Baal began. And... and as you know, in the Old Testament, the worship of Baal infected Israel for generations and, and had to be dealt with. But this is where it started. And so on top of the Phoenician uh, temple, the Romans eventually came in and they built another temple. And then the Crusaders came in and they built their own castle church thing there. And, and, and it was amazing to walk around and, and see these massive pillars in this incredible architecture and, and, and that... Um, and then we went to a second site, which was unplanned. Thanks to Hezbollah, we had some extra time on our hands. And, and so we went to this place. And this is in a town uh, that Bob mentioned called Biblios. And, and it's, it's, the word literally means the written word. 
Now, we think of Biblos, the Bible, Biblos, um, but it's because the Phoenicians invented the alphabet. They, had their, they were the first people to make a phonetic alphabet. That's why we call it phonetic, because of the Phoenicians. Um, where I'm taking that picture from is on top of a castle built by the Crusaders. That far building you can see with the red roof was, is a little over 100 years old, not that old. But in this frame, and I can't point out everything, but there's Roman ruins, there's Romans from the, or ruins from the Crusaders, and that wall that's right below there along with some of the buildings are from the Phoenicians, 6,000 years old. And here's what the Lord showed me while we were looking at these two sites. It's from this vantage point, there's 6,000 years of history. On this site in particular, 16 civilizations rose and fell all there. Even Alexander the Great at one time had set up his base of operations on this peninsula that we're on. And they're all gone. All their politics, all of the stuff that they fought over, all the striving and straining for money and power, it's all gone. The worship of Baal and all of its temples, gone. But the entire time, the Lord cared about the people and still does. And so when we get the opportunity to go or be the people sending others, man, we need to know that that's his priority. Whatever we have in, an, in our country, in our country seems so insignificant. 6,000 years of history. We haven't even been around for 300 years. And we will come and go and be forgotten like most of those civilizations built on that little peninsula. That he cares about people. We are sent to be his witnesses to people. Not to do projects, not to spread politics. To see people come to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity we had for Lebanon, and we look forward to what doors you will open up in the future. We want to be your witnesses locally, here, where we live, in this Jerusalem, in our town, and to the ends of the earth. We thank you for wanting to use people like us, and we make ourselves available to you for whatever that might be. We pray your, ple- your blessing over the ministry there in Lebanon and on the people in the country of Lebanon that you would bring great revival, that we would see souls saved and a country turned around for you. In Jesus' name we pray.